0: Jonah chapter 3, Jonah chapter 3, we're uh, going to try to squish chapter 3 and chapter 4 into one message, but um, it would have been a really long message, and uh, there's two separate topics. The book of Jonah is actually divided, you can divide it into two two sections, the first section and the second section. Uh, There are only two characters mentioned in Jonah by name, Uh, you have Jonah and God. Uh, Jehovah, uh, everybody else is kind of a side character. We, th- we think about the whale, but the whale was just a tool used by God. We think about Nineveh, but that was just the purpose that God had for Jonah. Uh, but it, this really seems to be a, a two-part conversation, where God tells Jonah to do something, and Jonah says, No. And then God convinces Jonah he should do something, and Jonah comes to a point where he 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 confesses his sin he he, he repents of his sin, and he agrees and promises and vows to do, to keep those vows that he had made and then then you have in chapter three God giving him a second chance. And this is, this is where we're going to be at, uh, this, this, this evening, this afternoon. Ever since we started the, the, afternoon services, I, I still say this evening and it throws me off every time. I didn't think I'd learn by now. But the, the message today is that God is a God of second chances. And I am so glad that we have a God that gives us second chances. A lot of times we, 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 we think that, that that uh, the men of God that were used in Scripture, we put them up on this high pedestal and we say, well, that was, I could never be a David or I could never be a Paul or I could never be, thank you, buddy, uh, I could never be uh, this Abraham or Moses or I couldn't be that guy. I'm just me. I make mistakes. and Well, the truth is there are all men who make mistakes. Every single one of them. If you go back and look, uh, Moses was a murderer. David not only was a murderer, but an adulterer. Uh, and, and there were times in their lives where they struggled and they failed. And, uh, that's the greatest part of Scripture. Because I can look back and I can say, okay, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not alone. I, and I'm not useless. God can use me even now. Even though I've I, I messed up in the past, even though uh, uh, I, I, I ran from God for a while, God can still use me. And what we see here in chapter 3 is that, listen, listen, Nineveh didn't need Jonah. Nineveh needed the word of God preached to them. God used Jonah to preach that word. Listen, they didn't even need a power-filled, Holy Spirit-led preacher Because they had a preacher with a bad attitude. They were a preacher that really didn't want the people to hear the preaching and respond. They had a preacher who wanted God to destroy (laughs) him, Which gives you all hope. You don't need me. (laughs) But what they did need was the word of God. No, the whole book of Jonah, we, we learned something. And the first point, uh, my first point this morning or this evening is, is that God, that this is a, a sovereign work of God of forgiveness and redemption. Now the word sovereign means this. And, and don't be, don't be afraid of the word sovereign. Um, Calvinism uh, uses that word sovereign a lot. And, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I am not taking away the fact that we, that we have free will, but, and God, God died for the souls of every man. He, didn't, he doesn't pick and choose the ones he likes. He loves us all. He died for the whole world, not just my sin. And so a lot of times the Calvinists will use that, they, well, you don't have a choice and you can't resist grace. You can. Jonah here resisted grace. And then God brought him back and said, well, that's proof. No, Jonah could have made that choice. Many others have made that choice. I am grateful that Jonah didn't, that Jonah did follow God the second time. But notice this: go back to uh, chapter one. Uh, that this, this all is a, a work, and we think it's a redemption and it's revival of the of, of Nineveh. I would say the first redemption, the first uh, the first renewal or revival, really happened in Jonah's heart. But it didn't it didn't come about because because of himself. It came about by God uh, in Jonah chapter one verse uh, verse. Uh, for it says, but the Lord sent out a great wind. God sent out a wind, a storm in Jonah's life. Uh, a, a, and even though, we, we talked, as we talked this morning, he was asleep during that storm, God used that storm to wake him up. Uh, he used that storm and the situation he was in to get him tossed into the sea, where it says in chapter 2, or at the end of chapter 1, chapter verse 17, now the Lord prepared a great fish. Just imagine how long that fish had to be growing, how old that fish had to be to be big enough to swallow a man whole. It didn't happen. It it didn't happen the week before. God didn't say, you know what? Jonah's running for me. I'm going to create a fish. It says God prepared a fish. That means over a period of time, this fish was uh, hatched or was born. I don't know how how that worked. The Bible doesn't tell us. It just says God prepared it. God made that fish ready. Whether it was a whale, whether it was some other massive fish, uh, uh, there's all kinds of. uh, Animals that we don't even know exist out there. There's there's parts of the ocean that we haven't even explored. In fact, they found some fish the other day, a wolf fish uh, caught in a lobster trap. That thing was horrendous looking. If you saw a picture of it the other day, it was caught here off the coast of Maine. This terrifying looking. Teeth this big. Thankfully, they don't eat people. They eat crustaceans. <laughs> but God prepared it it wasn 't by accident, God knew before Jonah ever said no that Jonah was going to say no, and in his foreknowledge, he prepared the fish. If God knew Jonah was going to say no, God knew jonah was going to, Jonah was eventually going to say yes, so I want you to understand that this that there was a, a sovereign work of God, but the whole purpose was the, 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 was the revival or the re- renewal in, in jonah 's heart. And the revival and the redemption of the people of Nineveh. It was a sovereign work. And I am so grateful that God knew me before I ever knew him. God God knew you before you ever knew him. When you were in the deepest, darkest parts of your life, when you were away from God and had no knowledge of God, uh, it doesn't matter what your past or what your... God knew it, and God worked in your life and brought people into your life to be a witness and a testimony. Uh, uh, Somebody to preach the gospel, whether it was a preacher, whether it was a tract, whether it was somebody coming along knocking on your door, or somebody you ran, ran into, or a family member, or however it happened, somebody brought the gospel to you, and can I tell you, it wasn't by accident, and it wasn't a surprise. I, I go back into the book of Acts, and I think of, and I think of the Ethiopian eunuch and, 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 and Philip. Uh, man, it must not have made, I can't imagine it made any sense to Philip for God to say, I want you to leave, leave this revival that's going on here in Samaria, and go into, a, into the desert place where there isn't anybody. I'd be like, but God, there, you, people are getting saved, the, the spirit, you're, you're working here, uh, you're, you're using me here, this is big, an entire city, and God says, no, I want you to go into the middle of nowhere, now Philip didn't do that, I'd be the one arguing with God, because just, for, to me it wouldn't make sense, Philip said, okay, and he packed up a, 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 packed up a water bottle and he, he went for a walk. And it was a, a it was a journey. It wasn't it wasn't just a, a, around the corner, it wasn't just a, it wasn't just down the road, it was miles and miles and he walked there. And somehow this guy in a in a chariot with a procession of people left Jerusalem, a different place altogether, and the two of them connected. Do you realize the chances of that happening by accident? It wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. God put it together. That was God's timing. I like to call those, those things uh, 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 divine, uh, divine appointments. Divine appointments. When got put somebody in your into your life that you can be a witness and a testimony to uh, god puts uh puts you in a position uh, in a place uh that 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 uh, where you're speaking to somebody listen God brought a divine appointment into your life and that's why you were saved and that's why you're here and whether it was some message that you sat under whether no matter what it was it was divinely appointed of God now you had a choice of what you were going to do with it, just like Jonah had a choice when the word of God came to him the first time, but you're here because Somebody obeyed God and they they gave you you the gospel. I am so thankful for the time that God gave me the gospel. And I'm also thankful for the time when God gave me a second chance. Because this, verse 1, shows us the second chance. Notice what it says there in verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, now this wasn't the second time God had spoken to him. He, uh, Jonah had already prophesied for the Lord again in 2 Kings. We talked about that earlier. Uh, this is the second time he gave him the same message. You ever had to tell your kids to do something once and they didn't do it? And then you have to tell them again? This time comes the threat. If you don't do what I said,
1: then this is going to happen.
0: God didn't threaten him here. God just gave him the God gave him the instruction. He gave him the, the message. In fact, he didn't even give him the message. What, what the, let's read it exactly what it says. It says, arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the preaching that I bid thee. He said, I want you to go in and preach the message that I'm going to give you. Go. The second time, uh, the the renewal that I see here took place in the heart of Jonah. It took place because God brought a storm into his life. God brought a fish into his life. And in the the midst of that crisis, uh, he learned a lesson that he had never learned before. Interesting thought. Most of the lessons that we really learn, we learn in times of difficulty. We learn in times of trial. We learn in times of chastening. We like to learn when when things are going well, but we don't, those things, they, 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 those are fleeting moments. He learned this this lesson at the bottom of the ocean and the fish's belly. He learned, we know he learned it because of verse 7 of chapter 2, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came into thee, into, the, into thy holy temple, that they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have owed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. As soon as Jonah humbled himself and cried out unto God with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, God in his sovereignness spit him out. Notice where he landed the fish spit him out. It was on dry land, but where on dry land? Three days' journey. It wasn't far from Nineveh. Remember, when the fish swallowed him, he'd gotten into a boat uh, in Joppa and they went out towards Tarshish, which was 2,000 miles. It wasn't in the direction of Nineveh, it was away from Nineveh. But when the fish spit him out, it was just the right timing. It was by God's divine intervention that this happened. And listen, we need God to work in us for salvation. We need God to work in us for repentance. We need God to work in us for these things. John chapter 6, verse 44 says something. Let's turn over to it real quick. I'm not going to quote the verse correctly. John chapter 6. Jesus is speaking here. And he says this, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. What does that tell you? That it's not a man that's needed for salvation. It's not a man that's needed for revival. It's not even necessarily a message that's needed. What's needed is a move of God. God has to draw that man to salvation. God drew you to salvation. Listen, and believe me, I believe there are many men that God draws to salvation that reject that. But there must be a drawing of the Holy Spirit it must be a drawing of the Father of that person towards salvation. It's a sovereign walk, a sovereign work of forgiveness and redemption. Number two, it's a scriptural work of God to bring revival. It's a scriptural work of God to bring revival. Notice with me verse 1 and 2 of chapter 3. It says, The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, uh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. He says, I'm going to give you a message, and I want, you to, I want you to preach it there. Now, we know what the message was. Forty days, and God's going to destroy it. It wasn't a very nice message, but it was God's message to the people of Nineveh. Uh, it wasn't a very easy message to hear. And, and, well, Jonah didn't like it. Maybe it was an easy message for him to preach. Uh, when you don't care how people respond, or when you don't care how people feel about the message, it's really easy to give it. Like, if there's no compassion uh, in somebody's heart, it's really easy to say, hey, you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. <laughs> God is going to destroy this place. Uh, so it was easy for him to preach. But the, the but any time that we preach the gospel, when we preach the word of God, can I tell you that that is a work of love? For me to tell you the truth, the truth might be painful. The truth might hurt. The truth might offend. The truth might make you want to not want to listen. Can I tell you? Even if it's done in a wrong way, the truth—it's still an act of love. Remember what Paul, what, what Paul said in Philippians that some that some preach Christ uh, of strife and contention, and others others, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But Christ is preached. So therein I'll rejoice. Listen, he, he understood that the, the truth. As long as the truth is preached, as long as the gospel is preached, there's benefit in it regardless of the motive. Listen, Jonah's motive was not to see the people saved. So if he was afraid of offending somebody, what do you think he might have said? Do you think he might have changed the, the, the narrative a little bit? He might have. In fact, people do that today. They're afraid to offend somebody about the 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 the, the, the judgment that, we're, that the world will one day face. So, so they change the, the message of the gospel, which is yes, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the love of God. But why do you need salvation if there's nothing to be saved from? If you if you try to dilute the law and the judgment, and you take that away, there's no reason for a need of salvation. It's just oh, we just God loves everybody, and yes, God does love everybody, but He's also holy and righteous. And if we dilute the gospel, which many people do, we lose the power of the gospel. Jonah didn't do that. One, because he really didn't want them to listen, and we see that in chapter 4. But but that doesn't change the fact that it was an act of love because he was giving them the truth. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 that we should speak the truth in love. No, uh just because the truth can be offensive doesn't mean that we have to make it offensive. We need to be careful on how we preach. You can preach the same thing and be tactful, and you can preach and, and, and you can be you can be just offensive. Now that doesn't change the truth of the message, but it may change the way it's received. So I'm not saying just go around and tell people they're on their way to, to hell and God's hate and God's going to judge them and there, there has to be a right way to do it. And if it's, if it's not done in the right way, it may not have the effect that we want it to have. So we need to be very careful to preach the message that God wants us to preach. And that's really what it comes down to. That's what, that's what it comes down to. That's what God told Jonah to do. Preach the message I tell you to preach. Now, we've been told to preach the gospel. We need to preach it not just in our own way, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a reason God told that God, uh, Jesus told the disciples to stay in to stay in Jerusalem in the upper room until the Spirit came, because they needed the power of the Holy Spirit to preach Pentecost. Peter could have preached uh, preached the day before Pentecost without the power of the Holy Spirit and had no effect whatsoever. But because he preached when after the Holy Spirit had come down after the after they 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 were they were filled with the Holy Spirit. God blessed, and 3,000 people got saved. It, remember, it's the work of God that saves people, not the preaching of man. There have been a lot of people who stood behind a lot of pulpits with a lot of messages that go out, and, and a lot of hearts never change. We might change the outward, we might change some of our thinking, but our hearts will never change without the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a scriptural work of God that brings revival and redemption. We're to speak the truth in love. We're to offer the truth of the gospel to all people. This this message that he preached. Notice with me that he preached it from the from the youngest to the to the or to the, to the poorest to the all the way up to the king. It says in verse four, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, "Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown." So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. This was a message for everybody. It wasn't just for the people that looked like uh, that looked like they uh, that they wanted to hear it. Uh, it wasn't just for the wealthy and the influential. It wasn't even just for the poor. Uh, uh, Many times we'll focus on a certain group of people you 'll have some that focus on those that are on those that are are poor and needy because they look like they need christ uh, uh, and listen, they do need Christ, but so doesn 't the people that are over here that that are in suits and ties. and and, and We can't just focus on on one group of people. Let's go where God tells us to go. Let's preach to those who God preaches or tells us to preach to. Let's give them the message, but it's good for everybody. We can go with a shotgun blast, and that's really what a church service is. A revival service that we're, listen, I'm not pointing and aiming a gun at anybody. I don't have one on me, that you can see. No, I don't have one on me. It's not like I'm point aiming. It's a shotgun blast where I send out the message and God touches whom he touches. And that's how the gospel has always been meant to be preached. Right? When we get into a group setting, I'm not, God did not send me up here to say, Patty, this message is for you. That's not how it's supposed to be. Now, the message might be for Patty. But that's for, God to, that's for God to convict your heart. I don't know Patty's problems. I don't know Patty's sins. I don't know Patty's struggles. But God does. I've had people come to me and say, you were listening to my table. I was not at your table. And nobody told told on you. I, I've had people say, you, that just ministered to my heart. I'd love to take the credit to be able to say, I was wise enough to come up with this just for you to be an encouragement to you. But can I tell you, I'm not that wise. But I have a God who is and the, the word of God is good for everybody. Everybody. It's a message that's to be preached to all people. And it's a truth that calls for a response. It's a truth that calls for a response. Now, that we may ignore it. And we may try to pretend, and we may not listen to it. But it calls for a response, and if you don 't respond you're responding. Do you 're responding. you do you understand what i 'm saying? Uh, the fact that you choose to ignore the Word of God doesn 't change the fact that God was speaking to you and you ignored him. That is rebellion. If you hear and you understand and you submit to the word of god that 's also a response that 's the response that we see here. That Nineveh had. That's the response that we see here that Jonah had. Now, there's a difference to the first time God spoke to him. The first time God said, you go to Nineveh. And he said, I'm going to go to Joppa, and then I'm going to go to Tarshish, which is completely the opposite direction. He rebelled against it. But this time, he, re- he responded in a completely different way. Again, there are two, type, two, two people we see responding here. One is the man of God. And this time, finally, he responds in obedience. And, and not just half-hearted obedience. I, again, his, his heart wasn't for the people of Nineveh, but he was certainly going to keep the vow that he had promised. How do I know that? Because it took one day to complete a journey that was, should have taken three days. He didn't, he didn't say, okay, God, uh, I'll, I'll go. Still watching? Yeah, I'm on my way. He he wasn't going slow. Uh, I I don't even know if he took the time to wash off the fish guts. I mean, he, 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 three days, he had to run to get there. Uh, He made, he, he, we say down, down where I'm from, he beat feet. Uh, He, he took off. He, he, he started moving and and he got there as fast as he could to preach the word because God had given him a mission. Listen, it wasn't because he loved the people and he wanted to see him saved, but he had, God had told him to do something and he said, okay, God, I will do it there's a renewal in there for him because he had rebelled against that before he had repented of that in the fish's belly we saw that but 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 the renewal of him was there was a response to what God said to him this time there's also the response of the people from Nineveh from the king all the way down to the poorest person that was there they 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 they, they, they repented they, they they put on sackcloth and ashes they they fasted they they even made their animals fast uh, that that they, they, the king said, "Don't feed the animals, nobody's supposed to eat anything. let's just fast. I don't know that there's, if you have a dog that you need to really make your dog not eat um, th- as you pray to the Lord, I think it has more to do with you and your spirit, but they weren't the people of God, so they were doing the best they could. God didn't tell them to fast. God told them to come to Him humbly, and they did as humbly as they could, as humbly as they knew how. But there was a response. Can I tell you that any time we preach the word, there must be a response? But no response is still a response. We need to respond to the word of God. So we see it was a sovereign work of forgiveness, a scriptural work of of, of revival. We also see it's a sudden work of God on an unexpected people. Look at verse 6, chapter 3. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. It did not take 40 days for this king to do this. He did not weigh his options. He did not see well let's let 's wait to see what the, what the weather looks like tomorrow let's let 's wait and see what what my what my wise men listen this is a king of a city of, of, of up to a million people uh, He had his he had his his, uh, his his wise men he had his his sorceries he had all of these all of those things that they used to rely upon back in those days. Think back to the days of Pharaoh when they had their their magicians who could copy some of the things Moses did and in the end. They couldn't do all those things because they weren't of God. But he had all those things, but he didn't say, let's check with them. He didn't say, "Let's look at the let's let, let's 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 try to figure this out." No, he said. He said the, the, he heard the the word of God that said the that, that destruction was coming, and he took off his coat and he and he put on sackcloth and ashes. He he, he uh, the, What do we say that he he tore his clothes? He he wasn't wearing his kingly robe. This is a man who was humbling himself entire in front of his his entire kingdom of people, and he said, "Listen, it's just not just me. You all got to do it too. Stop feeding your animals." put on the ashes, put on the sackcloth, and we're going to humble ourselves, and we're going to pray, and maybe God will forgive us. This, was, uh, this is unexpected. They weren't a peop- the people of God. They, they have never once worshipped God, Jehovah, in their entire lives, or in their entire history. This, these were, this was a group of people who worshipped false gods, and gods who couldn't hear, couldn't see. Couldn't respond. Couldn't prepare. Couldn't provide. Couldn't protect. Couldn't do any of the things that 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 our God can do. And they finally come to a point where they they humble themselves before God. It's unexpected. You know what that does for me? It tells me that there isn't anybody out there that that no matter no matter who it is that shares the message, if the message of God is shared with them, as God leaves and as God draws, that God cannot that God cannot change. There, there may be people that you know in your life say, well, that person will never get saved. How do you know? And how do you know that much? Because I don't. I have a God that can heal anybody. I have a God that can save everybody if we'd come to Him. Say, well, they just won't come to Him. How do you know what God will do? Look at Paul. The, the the perfect the perfect he was not just apathetic to the gospel he was against the gospel Paul was well it was the modern day uh, what's the group the, 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 it's not I guess they're not around so much anymore but we still deal with them the, the kill those who were killing the Christians uh, militant, the militant Al Qaeda. There you go. Uh, he was, he was uh, that day. He was uh, the biblical time. Al Qaeda. They were going in. They were they were ripping people from their homes. They were stoning them. They were throwing, they were bringing them before uh, before the courts to be judged and to be stoned. Uh, they were they were. He was terrible to to Christians to the church. His entire goal was to persecute the church, and he did it gladly. And in one. Moment. God spoke to his heart and revealed to him his sin. He said, Is it hard for thee to kick against the pricks? And even though he couldn't see, he heard the voice. He fell to his knees and said, What would you have me to do, Lord? What happened? God took somebody that was terrifying the church. So much so that even after he was saved, it took a while for people to trust him. It took Barnabas to come alongside and and, and, and encourage people to let him come. God took him and changed his life, not just a little bit. Elijah. God took that took him and changed him not just a little bit. Didn't just change his heart. Didn't just ch- his life was completely changed. It was unexpected. The people of Israel said, "This can't be, we. You know, this is the same Paul that are, are, you, are you sure? The, the church wasn't sure about him, but God had changed him. That's the same guy who wrote most of our New Testament. See, there isn't anybody that God can't change. There isn't anybody that God can't save. And no matter how unexpected it is, the work of God is is amazing. And when when uh, He He brings new life in, when when He draws us, and and we do willingly submit to Him and humbly call Him Lord. Not only does he save us, but he does change us. That's the, that's the greatest thing about salvation. It isn't just a ticket to heaven. And that's the way, that's the way too, too many people treat it. They, they treat it like it's a ticket to heaven. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm on my way, we're good, I can live my life and do what I want. No, it's salvation. It's, it's, it's new life. It's renewal. It's redemption. It's, it's I'm not what I used to be anymore. In fact, Paul said that many times. He said, he said, this was what you used to be, but this is what you are now. Take off the old man and put on the new man. That We're all new in Christ's that's an amazing thing because it doesn't just apply to us it can apply to anybody who trusts in Christ no matter how how unexpected it would be for us it was a sudden work of God in an unexpected people it was also a saving work of God on an undeserving people look at verse 10 chapter 3 and God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. God saw the broken hearts. God saw, listen, it wasn't, he saw that it wasn't a a facade. Listen, we can all fake. I was talking to our kids the other day uh, at VBS. I said, how many times have you said sorry and you didn't mean you were sorry? And they all giggled and laughed because they've all done it. Because as parents, uh, what do we do? Uh, one hits the other one. Tell them you're sorry. Sorry. Hey, they're not sorry. They had to get to a point where they're sorry. The Bible says godly sorrow brings forth repentance. God, had brought, uh, God brought Jonah to godly sorrow in the, bo- in the belly of the whale. That's why he repented in verse 7. Even though we don't necessarily understand how, God brought godly sorrow to the hearts of the people of Nineveh. You know how I know? Because in verse 10, he said, he saw the the works and turned from their evil ways. And God repented of the evil that he... Listen, it wasn't a facade. God saw what they were doing, but he saw why they were doing it. He saw that it wasn't just an act. It wasn't just a put-on show for for Jonah. Listen, Jonah went out saying, okay, Lord, now you can get them." Now you can destroy him. He, I'm going to wait and see what he does. In 40 days he was upset because God didn't do it. But they truly were repentant. Isn't it amazing what God could do? They didn't deserve it. They were wicked people they, they, they deserved that judgment God was right to pronounce judgment on them in the first place he would have been right if he had just judged them and never given them an opportunity to repent but in his, in the, in his goodness, in his love, and in his mercy he gave them that opportunity to repent just like he did you and me Anytime we run into people, there's a, there's a guy that I listen to sometimes, uh, or I, I, I watch videos. He's a, his name is Frank Turk. I don't agree with everything he says, so don't go following him. Uh, following. Apologet- he does apologetics, and he's a very intelligent uh, man. Uh, I do believe he's saved. But one, one, of the, one of the things he, he talks about, or people will come up and they'll ask him and say, well, how, could, how can God be a good God when there are people that are dying and going to hell all around the world that have never heard the gospel? I've heard that question myself. Have you? Have you ever put much thought into it? How is that fair? You heard the gospel and they didn't. It isn't fair to our standards. But we have to step back and really take a look at humanity and what the Bible says about humanity. It isn't It isn't a, a soft answer. It's not, it's, a, when you're counseling somebody who's if I'm counseling somebody who just lost their mother and they're saved but they know she wasn't, I may not answer it quite this way. But in the word of God, God looks at humans and God looks at mankind and what does God see? He doesn't see righteousness. He doesn't see perfectness. He doesn't see anybody worthy of salvation. What does he see? He sees our sinfulness, our wickedness, just like he saw in the people of Israel. And what does wickedness and sinfulness deserve? According to the Bible, for the wages of sin is Death. What's that talking about? It's not just physical death. We all physically die unless, unless the Lord comes back. The only two that didn't was, uh, was Elijah and uh, the guy in Genesis there. Enoch, there we go. Thank you. And, uh, those are the only two that haven't died yet. And then Jesus who died and rose again, right? Hey, because he wasn't just man, he was God. Uh, but the rest of us are all going to die unless God comes, Christ comes back, which he will. But, but here's, the, here's the thing. Everybody dies physically. It's talking about spiritual death. It's talking about separation from God for all eternity. So why is it fair? Because we all deserve death. God is just in the fact that some people, because they don't deserve. And and understand what I'm saying. And uh, I know this, this sounds harsh, but because man is sinful, we deserve Judgment, God in his mercy and grace has given us Christ in the gospel. I don't deserve it. And God would be just if he had judged me in my sin and and I spent an eternity away from him because of my sinfulness. He would have been just in that. But I praise God for his mercy. I thank God that he is not only a God of one chance or two chances, but multiple chances. I praise God that he can continue even now to use me. I'm not perfect. But that saving work was on an undeserving people. In fact, every saving work is on an undeserving people. You didn't deserve to be saved, but God saved you anyways. We should praise God for that. The Last point is this. We find in verse 7 through 9, it's a sanctifying work. It's a sanctifying work in the lives of the people, of the culture. Look at verse 7, it says this... Uh, of chapter 3. <laughs> Let's look at the wrong long chapter. It says, and He caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God, Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell, who can tell if God will turn from and uh, turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we, that we perish not? It's a sanctifying work. Sanctification is, is the, the outward change that takes place because of the inward change. God, it's, it's, it's what happens after salvation. Now, now God forgave them. And in verse 10, he, he brought that evil. Why? Because something happened earlier that, that, that we haven't read. That we, we, have, we skipped over the verse. We're going to look back in a second. The people of Nineveh had faith. So what do you mean they had faith? They, they, they were a they were wicked people. How, how could they have faith? Go back to chapter 3, verse 5. So the people of Nineveh did what? Believed God. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That's, that, that, that it was because of Abraham's belief, or what we call faith. That God used him. And was by faith, Abraham, by faith, right? It's, it's, it's our faith that saves us. They believed God. God sent them the message. They believed it. I believe that's when they were saved. The reason they they humbled themselves is because they believed God. And they humbly cried out to him. And they changed their wicked ways. When we pray for, when we talk about revival, what are we praying for? What are we talking about? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. For, 2 Corinthians seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Isn't that what they just did? God saved them. Why? Because of their faith. Because of their faith. And that faith brought about a sanctifying work of God in their lives. They changed because they truly believed. If they didn't truly believe it, the king never would have called for a fast. Never would have put off his kingly garments. Never would have, never would have cried out to God but they believed it, and that faith resulted in their works. Well, God works in our hearts when the message of God, whether it's the gospel or, or, again, the word of God is good for this. It's perfect for all of our, all of our needs. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for us. Why? Because it will correct us. It will instruct us. It will, it will give us doctrine. It, it, it's good for us. And the next verse says that we might be perfect. Entire, that the man of God may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. Meaning that we're we're completely furnished to serve God. We're able to be mature in Christ because of that book right there. Whether you're whether you're you just got saved or you've been saved for fifty years, that book is good for you. God's word is good for you. It will sanctify you. The Bible says in Romans chapter twelve that we're renewed by the Spirit of our minds. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us the same thing. How? Through this book. There's an old story of a, of a, of a man who had a, uh, a, a bucket full of holes, and a young man, and it was, it was covered in mud, and his, his grandson, uh, he told his grandson he wanted him to clean it out. And He goes, well, how do, you, how do you want me to do it? He says, run down to the river, fill it up with water, bring it back up here and scrub it out. So the young man ran down, filled with water, carried it back to the house, and all the water had run out the holes. And he said, Grandpa, there's no water. He goes, go fill it up again. And it's still dirty. He made the trip 10 or 12 times. Finally, he said, Grandpa, it's, there's holes in it. I can't bring it back full of water. He goes, no, but look at the bucket. Because the, the water running through had cleaned out the dirt. The Bible's the same way. We read and study the word of God. Your mind isn't going to hold all of it. But can I tell you, it will renew your mind. It will renew your spirit. Uh, it, It will cleanse you. Uh, we live in a world where our minds are inundated with, with stuff from, uh, with the with, uh, influence of Satan and the world all around us. Uh, whether it's reading a book or watching television, listen, it could even be Fox News, I don't care what it is. Uh, it's, 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 it's tainted by the world, and that affects our minds. And as long as we're allowing those things to affect us, the music that we listen to, all of those things, man, that, that affects us, and it oppresses us, and it, 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 it oppresses our spirits. And listen, if you want a dog to win in a fight, you feed the dog that you want to win, right? We don't really fight dogs around here, but if there's going to be two animals or two men in a fight, the one who's stronger is going to be the one that wins. And if you feed your flesh and you feed you know, the things of this world, your flesh is going to be a whole lot stronger than your spirit. But if you feed your spirit and you starve your flesh, what's going to happen? You give God every opportunity to help you win that battle. It won't be done in your own strength. It won't be done in your own might, your own power, your own ability. But it will be done through the power of God, through his strength, and through his might, according to Ephesians chapter 6. It's a sanctifying work. What we've seen here in this chapter, and really not just the chapter but the book, is the redemptive story of what God can do in the life of a Christian and in the life of the lost. Now, God's not done with Jonah because Jonah hasn't attained yet. He's not perfect, and we'll talk about that next week. Because even though he's obeyed and he did it willingly, he did it for the wrong motive. And he certainly wasn't happy about it. And God's going to show him his weakness. But I'm thankful that we have a God that works in our lives. A God who continues to work in our lives can make us what we ought to be. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not there yet. Um, but I do know that one day I will be when I stand before him and look at his face. It's going to pray, Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the example that we have here with Jonah. Lord, I, I know he, was, he, made, he made his mistakes, but God, you um, still used them. Lord, not only did you use them, Father, there was a great revival because he was obedient to you, Father, and your, your word did a great work. I pray that you would use, continue to use all of us, even though we're not perfect. Lord, I pray that we would humbly submit to you and obediently do what you call us to. And God, may you be glorified as you bring forth a great work. I think especially of the revival coming up, Lord. Um, there's a lot of uh, things that need to be um, uh, figured out, Lord. Uh, I, I'm praying that you, one, help with the weather. Two, help us to find a tent that we can meet outside, Lord, that we might have uh, get as many people there as 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 we can, and and Lord may may not just be a time of encouragement, which which is needed, Lord. I, I pray that we would be encouraged and strengthened in your word and the, and the songs. But God, I pray there would also be a time that we might see um, life changed and uh, renewed and, and, and strengthened and encouraged and, and maybe, Lord, prayerfully soul saved. Lord, I pray that, that you just place it upon our hearts to pray and to continue to pray until that day, Lord. I pray that you might take care of all of those, um, all the things that need to be taken care of, Lord. And And give us wisdom in what to do and how to do it, Lord. May you be glorified. I just ask for your will to be done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.